Welcome to episode 49 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like 100 brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. 
I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 49 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am doing great. I am... um really excited that I'm starting a new chapter of my life. Um, Of course, we all know that I'm retiring soon. That's coming up. But I have also enrolled in a program. Have I talked about this on the podcast at all? My health coaching program. 
I don't think so. I don't think I have. I know we've talked about it, but I don't know if I mentioned it on air, but um, I've enrolled with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And so classes are starting. It's a year-long program. I'll be a certified health coach at the end of it, not just an ex-elementary teacher who does IF. <laughs> but it's it's fascinating so far. Um, they have a lot of visiting lecturers that you know, be familiar, familiar with people all throughout the health and wellness community. And the whole point of the program is just like, um, I mean, it really resonates with me because it's so much like feast without fear. And it is that there's no one right way of eating for everybody. And as a health coach, we can guide people to find what works for them. So I am just loving it so very much. So it started? Yes, yes, it has started. I've, well, the preliminary, I've gone through the preliminary material and the, the coursework is starting, yes. Do you do it, is it online? It is online, yes, it's all online. It's and Convenient? Um, it is convenient and people just from all around the world are doing it. And I didn't realize how many people had done this particular program until I started talking about it in my Facebook group. And there are a lot of people in my Facebook group who have gone through their program and the the best part about it is every, I sound like a commercial here. I'm just <laughs> I'm not I'm not getting any money for saying this or any, it's not a commercial. It's just me um, excited about this program. But the people who are in my Facebook group um, that had done it all had very nice things to say. None of them were like, "Oh yeah, I did that. It was awful." <laughs> no, they all said, "Yes, it was transformative. It changed my life. It was the best experience ever." So I'm really looking forward to the year of going through it because the philosophy already aligns with. Um, with what I believe. Like I watched a great um, video lecture, Dr. Andrew Weil. I'm sure you're familiar with his mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Really like all the big names that, that you read about in the health and wellness community seem to have guest lectures to listen to with their unique perspectives. What's the name again? The Integrative? It's the Institute for, for Integrative Nutrition. Yes. Yes. The Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And, um, Really, the foundation is that we are all different, and we have to find what works for us individually. And it's, of course, you know that's what I believe. And <laughs> so it's it's just great to have that um, confirmed. And I look forward to learning over the next year. That's exciting. Do you get any special little letters that go after your name? I don't. I don't know. I'll be a certified health coach. Who knows <laughs> what letters that might be? But perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Well, that's very exciting. You have to keep me updated, especially on what you learn. Yeah, I will. I will. But I, I like the fact that they um, they they really keep the whole person in mind, that we're not just a body. We're also emotional. There's more to life than just like what you're eating. But they really promote eating real foods, high-quality foods. Yeah, I think that's so important, both of those things, the whole yeah. foods and then yeah. mentality. Actually, the audiobook I'm listening to right now is called Vibe. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of it? I have not. Who is that by? So I heard the author interviewed on Dave Asprey's podcast. It's called Vibe, Unlock the Energetic Frequencies of Limitless Health, Love, and Success, which sounds like a little woo-woo, but um, it's by Robin Openshaw. But her interview on the podcast was all about, I don't know what topics the actual book is going to go into specifically. I know it is a lot about food, but on the podcast, she was discussing a lot about the frequencies of different foods and how it affects your body. I think it's really 
interesting about the, the energetic foundation of everything. And we, I think we used to think that that was, you know, just like mystical or not real. But I mean, everything is running on energy. So, well, it's true. And my husband is a PhD organic chemist and he, um, I mean, he and I have had this conversation. Everything at its most basic really is energy. Everything. So, you know, it has a it has a frequency. It has a vibration. It makes sense to me. We have to, you know, we're so stuck in the, the physical world, we forget. But when you talk to an organic chemist and he says, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it is all energy. It, it, it opens up a lot of possibilities. So I think he's open to a lot of things. Like he'll say, we don't know everything. Um, we're still learning because he understands that that science is always learning new things about our physical world. I'm fascinated by it, so I'm excited to see what I'm going to learn. Like she said on the podcast oh, that she said they've done experience, experiments where they put two people in a room and they put on the, the things that measure their brain waves, and then they have one person think like warm, happy thoughts, and then the other person in the room it affects their brain waves. I believe it so very much. We, I did a, um, it was like a demonstration at a conference I went to, and they they did that same kind of oh, thing. Oh, really? They they sent positive thoughts to people, and like someone left the room, and it was like hundreds of us in this, this session, and then um, we were all supposed to send thoughts to this person, and it affected their brain, the waves. person's behavior. When that, yes, they weren't measuring brain waves; they were measuring strength. But it looked crazy, and like, how is this possible? But <laughs> the whole point was that we're constantly giving off energy, and we really are giving off energy. You know it when you come across somebody who has positive energy versus someone who just has negative energy and you just feel it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It is fascinating. I think this is – we're going to learn more and more about this as time goes on. Yeah, I think so as well. I'll see what I learn. Keep you updated. Well, I love it. I, I wrote that one down. That sounds like something I would like. So we've got some listener feedback – that, um, would you ready for me to start with the first one? Sure. All right. And this is from Faye. And the subject is just so grateful. And Faye says, Jen and Melanie, I've been, quote, big boned or, quote, curvy. Pick whatever word makes you cringe the least since I was a little girl. I've done it all, lost it all, and gained it all back. After marrying my controlling husband in 2014, I ballooned to my biggest ever, 271 pounds. After doing some research online, I started messing around with IF in July of 2017. What started as a little curiosity and a lot of desperation has snowballed into a full-blown obsession and dedication. I read Delay Don't Deny around the same time, started experimenting with styles, and have been 24 since Christmas. That's a four-hour eating window. And I love it. It's so simple I can barely believe it. Since July of 2017... I've lost 53 pounds, ditched the husband, and gained more than I could ever imagine. The self-confidence, the control, the mental strength, the health, the muscle tone, a desire to work out again and enjoy it. The list of benefits goes on and on. I listen to your podcast regularly and more and Fung too, and thought, what a better day to write you strong, inspiring women a message than International Women's Day. I am so thankful for the work you both do. Keep it up. You're making a difference. And, of course, this email came in on International Women's Day, which we've just um, passed. And thank you so much, Faye. I loved every bit of this. Yes, thank you, Faye. I loved it. Congratulations on <laughs> everything. And 
leaving the husband and just everything. Yep, taking back her power. Yes. So on International Women's Day, did anybody wish you a happy International Women's Day? I mean, I imagine in the Facebook groups it was everywhere. Yeah, we talked about it there. People people were mentioning it there. Um, and then I was at a women's meeting that evening, and so we talked about it a little bit at, at that, that women's group. When did it start? The, is, it, is it a new? Is it a hmm. newer? Wait, let me do I'm a not quick sure. Google. The benefits okay, go- of... The benefits of recording on computers. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, it's older older than I thought. It's... Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Did it start in the 70s? No. Oh, see, it sounds very 70s. When did it start? Earlier I than mean, that? I thought it started like recently. Um, <laughs> this is weird. So it was observed before it was suggested. I'm just yeah. going to read this paragraph because I'm very confused wikipedia says while the first observance oh of a woman's day okay okay so a woman's day was february 28th 1909 wow in new york and then march 8th 1910 it was suggested to become an international woman's day and after women gained suffrage in soviet russia in 1917 march 8th became the holiday awesome so that's a whole lot longer ago than i would have thought but you were sort of right because it was adopted by the united nations internationally in 1975 see that cracks me up because that is what the 70s were all about yeah (laughs) so it was u.s and then yeah then it spread the 70s all right i love it are you ready for our our next listener feedback Sure. So this comes from Jessica, and the subject is organic wine. And Jessica says, Hi, both. Just a quick message from the UK. We don't have access to dry farm wines, so I've purchased my first order from organicwineclub.co.uk. I will keep you posted, but it would be great info for your overseas UK listeners. I'm in no way associated with them and only felt the need to order them after listening to your wonderful podcast from day one. Oh, wow. Day one. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Jessica. I wonder how many listeners we have from day one. We probably have probably a good bit from the Facebook groups, maybe. But yes, yeah, so for listeners, so those wines, um, both Dry Farm Wines and Organic Wine Club, So we're big advocates of wine on the podcast, but we're big advocates of organic wine because as we've spoken about in prior podcasts, and I'll put a link to those podcasts in the show notes, but modern wines today have a lot of additives in them that can be very problematic for people. Um, And you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even know (laughs) because there's no labels. So if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 49, that's where I'll put show notes for the episode. And then if you go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, that's where there will be links to these wine brands as well. Yes, I think that's a great suggestion for the people around the world who can't get access to dry farm wines. They have something they can get too. Thank you, Jessica. I will say we do have an interview actually with the founder of Dry Farm Wines. So I will put, where we have a podcast episode (laughs) about it. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. All right, so we're ready to hop into the, the listener questions. The first is Haley, and the subject is the emotional component of IF. 
Haley says, hi, Melanie and Jen. Really loving your podcast and love how in sync you two are in working together. I have just started in the past week or so trying out the IF lifestyle. I've been starting out with a 16-8 approach, but would like to eventually shorten my eating window. With a background of having a binge eating disorder and lots of emotional issues around certain foods, I am so far managing well with my fast. However, I'm having a tough time letting go of diet soda and cream in my coffee during the fast. In listening to all your podcasts, I know that physically a cleaner fast is optimal, and I also have at least 50 pounds to lose. However, I was wondering if you could speak to the actual emotional piece of IF and giving up certain crutches while fasting. I'm hoping if I hear about your emotional experiences, it may give me the emotional push I need to give those things up. Thanks again for your podcasts and for showing great care for your listeners. Thank you, Haley. What do you think about that, Melanie? All right. Well, Haley, thank you so much for your question. And I love this question. I think it's such a huge, I mean, it's such a huge part of not only intermittent fasting, but just life <laughs> in general. Um, one of the things I love about intermittent fasting is once you really do plug into it, I actually think it really, really helps with the emotional component of eating because you're not because you're not eating constantly, so you're not dealing with those cues constantly once you really get through it, which, Haley, you talked about the clean fast, and I think really embracing a clean fast will definitely really help will definitely really help with that. But there's definitely so many emotions that surround food, and there's there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, we we often use food as a way to deal with emotions since food releases the same feel-good neurotransmitters in our brains um, that other things do. If we're feeling down or just not happy in the moment, we can often use food to deal with that. And I know for me, I think for me the hardest thing when it comes to food, it's not as much emotional, but it, it connects into this whole thing is that I know we shouldn't have fear around food, but because I have digestional and IBS issues that I will actually have a, like a fear surrounding food and how it's going to make me feel. It's hard to be in the moment because I'm constantly thinking about like the past, about how things have made me feel in the past or the future, which I think really relates to this in a way. As far as the whole emotional component, it's, it's really hard to be mindful and just be in that moment. But I think that's so key. And I think if we can be mindful, that that can really make a difference. So maybe, Haley, you could look into different... I know there are a lot of different books, and I've read a lot of books about this as well, about just being in the moment with eating rather than using it to as a distraction or as like an activity or something like that. So I'll put some links to some books that I like in the show notes because there are quite a few. So I know one I've talked about, I haven't talked about in a while, but The Yoga of Eating is one I really like. And then recently I read, um, have you read Jen, You Can Heal Your Life? Or there's one about food too specifically, or you there's also You Can Heal Your Body. But those talk about, those talk a lot about this as well. And then something I've recently gotten into that I found way more helpful than I thought it would be is um, mantras. 
Do you ever do anything with mantras? Well, I, you know, I, I actually have seen over um, time in the Facebook group, people are using like delay, don't deny as like a mantra. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> they, oh, wow. Well, they, they've gotten it carved into bracelets and like engraved on jewelry and yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't, I mean, I guess that's my mantra, delay, don't deny, feast without fear. Um, but things that, that really help you. But apparently those words have really resonated with people. And so, you know, I think when they, they get your book title carved on a bracelet, you feel pretty much like, wow. That's exciting. <laughs> That's incredible. It is exciting. Yeah. Well, I was going – so with mantras, basically, um, it's not just like a, a throwaway phrase. It's basically right. you, in the moment, you repeat that phrase to yourself. And you can do it on the breath. Like, you can just say it or you can just think it or you can do it on the inhale and the exhale. So, for example – I was looking up different ones recently. One I really liked was just I am enough because that really just shifts the focus from needing the food or needing the crutch of whatever it is in the moment to you are enough and <laughs> you are enough, basically. Um, some other ones people like let go and people and people were saying you could do that on the breath. So um, like let on the in on the inhale and then go on the exhale and then some other ones i really liked was this is only a paper tiger and so that relates to the idea that um we used to see things as like things that stress us out it's because the stress response is because we had to deal with threats like tigers chasing us but now it's more it's a it's a threat like not eating the food or it's like a craving like wanting to eat the food so you can say this is only a paper tiger other ones were like i am peace or this is just a moment or i am bigger than my fear or look how far i've come or i am free of whatever you can fill in the blank so i really liked those and then um some other things that you can do just tips and tricks to deal with your cravings. You can do other productive things that you love. So find a list of activities that will create those same feel-good neurotransmitters that whatever the food that you're craving during the fast would do. So you can do that instead. And we actually get like hits of dopamine when we cross things off of our to-do list. So before doing them, write them down on a list and then you can both do them and then you can check them off. Some other things that I liked were, one is you can listen to the, the voice in your head that's telling you that you want this craving. You can listen to it and think of it as a completely separate entity and you can give it like a voice. And so you can <laughs> see it as not you that's wanting that that thing in the moment, but rather this this other voice that you don't have to listen to. You can also imagine your future self. Um, so studies show that imagining your future self and how you'll feel in a few hours if you don't give in to whatever craving or emotional thing that you're having in the moment, that that can actually really help with motivation in the moment. You can um, tell yourself that what you're doing, that you're doing it for your future self, not for your current self. 
you can tell yourself that you can have whatever you're going to have before you can take a moment where you actually literally write down the pros and cons or journal about it and say that you have to do that first. And a lot of times that can really reframe your brain around everything. And then lastly, this one was really random, but if you pass a ball between your hands for one minute, that that stimulates both sides of your brain, and that actually can make you, can break you from the um, the emotional craving that you're having. So that's just some things you can try. How about you, Jen? Those are some great suggestions. I'll, I'll talk for a minute about um, my own emotional experience, because she asked, you know, what, what we went through. And I actually feel you with this, Haley, because I suffered you know, I've been doing intermittent fasting consistently since 2014, but I, I don't know who's all heard me talk about the the time from 2009 when I first learned about intermittent fasting through 2014 was that was a struggle for me, um, and it all came down to my mindset and and the whole emotional component that got in my way, and the whole idea of you know I deserve to eat when everybody else is eating, or I deserve to have breakfast, or I deserve to have you know, a latte in the morning because it's delicious, you know, and, and I carried that with me for all those years that I struggled and, and the years that I couldn't be consistent. And it was completely emotional. Um, I just felt like eating was, was something I should be doing. And I, like I said, I deserved it. So it took me doing a lot of, of learning about myself. I had to get to my highest weight. I had to be obese, I guess. That was part of my process, part of my journey, and realizing that I needed to take the change. And even once I started with the intermittent fasting in 2014 and decided, yes, I'm going to lose this weight and and really committed to that, I still struggled with the emotional aspect and the mindset of it. And it was such a process that I went to. And I think it took fully a year for me to disconnect from that emotional pain of knowing that I was not going to be eating all day long. And then finally it shifted to the point that it felt like normal. It felt like my new normal. And I completely lost that feeling of this is hard. This is something I'm having to do. And so it it was not something that happened overnight for me. And, you know, I may make it look easy now and effortless, like it's a lifestyle and because it truly is. But I think if I went back in time to 2014, 2015, when I was really cementing it as a habit, you know, my thought process is very different now. Um, I now no longer think I wish I could have, you know, that latte in the morning because I know that it's going to make the fast harder. I know that I'm not going to feel good after I do it. I know that I, I won't keep the sustained energy that I get with all day fasting until my eating window opens. So I've learned over time that this is actually the best choice for me. It's the best way that I can have peace in my life. And instead of feeling angst about it, like what I can't do, I focus on the positives of what staying in the fasted state gives me during the day. So I'm now at the point where it would take an awful lot for me to actually break the fast. And that's, that's a complete 180 from how it used to be when any excuse was like an excuse to celebrate because I deserved it. So give yourself time that, you know, some people make the shift immediately. I was a slow learner. Apparently it took me a long time. And so, you know, I'm, by the time this podcast 
airs, I will have passed my third anniversary of the day I hit my goal weight. So I have been maintaining this loss for over three years now, and it's taken me a lot of that time to get to the emotional place where I, I needed to be, where this became truly an effortless lifestyle. So if you're listening to us and we're like, y'all make it sound so easy, it was not always that easy for me. And it was just the whole, I deserve it. Now, instead of I deserve this, whatever it is, I deserve to feel good. I deserve to feel slim. I deserve to be slim. I deserve to be healthy. So that's what I had to shift. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think it is true that we do make it sound really effortless. Or we make it sound like, you know, you just start and... Um, then you do it. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually... Honestly, that's the way it was for me. I didn't really have the, as much of the emotional problems or any of the struggles in the past. But now I actually have more just because of the, the digestive issues. So it definitely reson- resonates with me, this question. And um, I like what you said about how, but you know how it'll make you feel. And I think that's, I think that's huge because the more you do it, the more you realize how you feel from certain things and you know what will make you feel best. And so that's really reassuring. Right. And just the whole, it's not worth it to feel bad. You know, when I, like when I was um, out of town with my sister a few weeks ago and I chose to have brunch at 10, I knew I would be sluggish the rest of the afternoon and it was worth it to have brunch at a nice restaurant with my sister. You know, it was worth feeling sluggish for the rest of the day to do that. But, you know, most of the time it would not have been worth it. It just, it depends. You have to, you have to make that trade-off. All righty. Shall we jump into our next question? Yes, let's do. So this question comes from Sarah and the subject is CBD oil during fasting. And Sarah says, hello, I've been IFing for about six months, usually a 24 schedule. So we have another 24 (laughs) girl here. I clean fast, water only, but I do take two dropperfuls of CBD oil during my fast to help fight inflammation, also one of the reasons why I fast. The CBD oil is an emulsion of olive oil, which I know is technically breaking my clean fast, but it's a tiny amount per dropperful, maybe two calories worth of oil. I'm wondering if you think this oil might be hindering autophagy for me, another reason why I fast. It doesn't seem to stimulate my appetite. Also, I tried making your peppermint oil and water breath spray, but the peppermint taste does seem to stimulate my appetite. Have you experienced this at all? All right. So, Jen, what are your thoughts on CBD oil? Well, it's a very interesting topic that actually comes up in the group from time to time. Oh, does it really? Really? Oh yeah, <laughs> all of the topics. Everything. <laughs> group front. Yes, yes, for real. <laughs> over and over again. Um, but uh, first, to speak to Sarah's comment about the peppermint oil. Yes, Sarah. Some people do find that the peppermint oil stimulates their hunger, which means that you should avoid it if if it's a problem for you. Um, you know, we all have different um th- different responses to things like that. We actually consider that to be in the gray area. So it doesn't bother me. But if it bothers you, don't have it. So that being said, the fact that the CBD oil is not bothering you is a good sign. You know, listeners may wonder, what is this? (laughs) What are they talking about? It's actually um, an, I don't know. Now, look, 
I am not an expert in this. So if I say something that's not exactly right, sorry, I could be wrong. But I th- it's like an extract from the cannabis plant. Is that what, what it what it is, Melanie? And I know it comes from cannabis. But I was going to say you think me being in California, I'd know more about this, but I honestly don't. So I'm going to say an extract from cannabis, which may not be it. It might be a different word other than extract, but it's it's related to the cannabis plant. But it's supposedly not it, – it, they've – it's not the part that, you know, smoking marijuana would have, but it's it's got some medicinal properties. So um, I do want to point out one thing about it, and I've heard people talk about how it's, quote, legal in all 50 states. And when you go and read about it on the Internet, the places that are selling it do claim that it's legal in all 50 states, but other websites claim that it isn't. So you have to be really careful and know the laws of your state. Um, For example, here in Georgia, um, I read about that. We have to actually register if we want to use any kind of medical marijuana, even CBD oil. We have to register with the, um, the Department of Public Health, and you can only qualify if you are diagnosed with eight specific diseases that they have listed. So I, th- I thought that was very interesting. Do you remember what any of them were? I'm just curious. It was, it was, yeah, it was things like cancer and epilepsy. Um, the you know, CBD oil is great for for treating some of these um, these diseases. So in Georgia, if you've got one of them, you can rest assured that you can get a um, you can get a card and it is legal. So other states, it may be more. Um, of a gray area. And I'm sure some listeners who use it would probably say, no, it's, it's, it is approved in all 50 States, but not according to some of the websites where I looked where the, the department, the DEA, um, the drug enforcement agency, I think are what those letters stand for. They are not so quick to say, yeah, this is fine everywhere. So just be cautious if you're using it, you know, depending on where you live, make sure you know what the laws are in your state. So that being said with my disclaimer, um, this is still something that's being researched right now. So I don't know of any particular studies. I looked. I couldn't find anything related to CBD oil and fasting. I did find how how we um, metabolize it. So if you take it orally, like and you sw- you're swallowing it, it does get absorbed by the digestive system. And then it um, goes into the liver where it's metabolized there. So there's another thing you could do, though, and that is... Um, getting it sublingually. So if you hold it under your tongue for 60 to 90 seconds, then it's going to bypass the digestive system and it's going to go in um, to your body that way. So that would be my suggestion. You know, I can't say, yes, this breaks your fast. No, it doesn't break your fast. It does sound like a small amount, but um, it seems to me like if I were choosing to use this and I were somewhere that it was legal and I was <laughs> felt safe about it and knew that it was helping me, I would do it sublingually. If I had a choice, you could um, probably also do it topically. Yeah, maybe. Um, I I was reading something about I can't remember why they they said sublingually was the bet the better choice, but perhaps you could do it topically. By the way, I have included the, I've I've um, sent this to Melanie. It's a link about the question: Is CBD oil legal? And it's a actual, um, it's a website, High Times. So they actually are promoting, <laughs> they're, they're big fans of yes. marijuana. And so they are very pro-CBD. So um, you can read what they say about, is it legal? Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'm not going to claim to be a legal expert um, where this goes. <laughs> Do not take advice from me. 
So if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 49, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And um, I will say for me personally, I do think it's unfortunate that it's so severely regulated because I do think there is a lot of potential for it from a health perspective for healing. And so I find that a bit unfortunate, especially because you don't, you don't get high from the oil or anything like that. So I don't, I don't see, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit frustrating. It's got that stigma because it's associated with marijuana, which has the negative associations, um, but, you know, it's an illegal drug and, you know, we have this image of what's going on with that. So I think it's left over from that stigma of. It's kind of like, um, this is interesting. I didn't think about this, but it's like a parallel to drinking alcohol versus like rubbing alcohol or something. You know, I mean, I guess I'd almost say that you could, we should maybe regulate rubbing alcohol more than CBD oil. I don't know. I was just going to say, it's funny whenever anybody asks this question in the group, like people report the post. Oh, no. Because everybody's so jumpy about it. Like, oh, my God, we're talking about CPD <laughs> It's It's a very controversial topic because people freak out about it. Yeah. And I did find one study. It wasn't about CBD oil, but I did find out that um, – did you know that fasting and exercise have both been shown to increase plasma cannabinoid levels? I did not know that, but it doesn't surprise me, right? So there's there's a similarity there. All right. Shall we go to our next question? Yes. We have a question from Rosie, and it is, how do you know if you have a healthy gut? Rosie says, hi, ladies. I have a question about gut health. You talk a lot about folks who suffer with intestinal issues and how IF could be very beneficial for healing our guts. How would one know whether they have a healthy or unhealthy gut? Is it strictly by how we feel and respond to food? Or are there ways to find out medically through tests and blood work? How would we or how would one go about asking for the right tests and what kind of doctor or specialist should we seek out to get the best advice? Any recommendations would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. All right. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for your question. I obviously love this question. I just think it's great. So my first initial response actually to this question was, if you're feeling completely healthy and you're not having any health problems and you're feeling good with what you're eating, I wouldn't worry about it. Like don't don't bring on extra stress if you don't need to. I don't see any reason to. That said, so knowing if you have a healthy gut, the reason I said if you're completely healthy and everything, it's because most of the problems we have go back to the health of our gut. So they're the obvious signs of gut problems. So that's going to be like IBS, gas, bloating, problems with your bowel movements, feeling bad after eating, all of that stuff. So that's an obvious sign. But also because the the gut and our reactions to food are the root causes, at least in my opinion, of almost everything, you can experience other things that don't seemingly relate to your gut and it might actually be relating to your gut. And it probably is. So that's going to be a lot of things that are inflammation-based, but it can be anything from allergies to 
skin conditions particularly, so acne, eczema, psoriasis, any of that, mood, (laughs) so to get even crazier, so mood, brain fog, um, joint pain, honestly, (laughs) anything unpleasant can very likely go back to your gut, even if you're not experiencing obvious digestional distress. That would be a sign to me to look into the whole gut thing. So as far as like specific tests, I would actually recommend rather than like spending lots of money on tests that first, if you have any of those health problems that you first just try an elimination diet of sorts. So you could try something like, like an autoimmune paleo approach. So that's going to be foods that um, hopefully eliminate the cause of the problem. Um, That's one diet a lot of people go to. Depending on what you're eating, if you're eating just a standard American diet, you can try cutting out inflammatory food like refined foods and sugars. People know I'm obviously a big (laughs) proponent of the paleo diet, but whole foods I think are really key. And I talk a lot about this in my book, which is What When Wine Lose Weight. I always sound like a commercial, but (laughs) lose weight and feel great with paleo style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. But if you do want to do like specific tests, you can test for C-reactive protein. So that's going to be your overall level of inflammation. You can get a general metabolic panel. And if things are off there, it very might likely might relate to the gut. You can also test for food allergies and sensitivities. I will say that IgE will indicate actual allergies, whereas like IgG will be more food intolerances. And then I will also say that um, things like Gluten found in grains can be very problematic for people, and um, that might be somewhere to start if you are ingesting gluten found in grains. And there's the whole this whole thing called the silent gluten (laughs) problem, and that relates to the fact that they found intestinal distress in everybody who ingests gluten, regardless of if they experience outright symptoms. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I think that. we cannot overestimate the importance of gut health in our bodies. And, you know, just the beginning coursework I've been doing with Institute for Integrative Nutrition, same thing. They're talking about it and like every every person is mentioning gut health. And it's just how much we're learning now that we didn't know before about the gut. And I also have, um, you know, I talk about this in Feast Without Fear. So if you've got problems, if, you know, if you're overweight, if you have diabetes, if you have metabolic issues, if you have inflammatory conditions, you can be pretty sure that it's, it's, you've got some problems in your gut that are going to need to be um, addressed. So um, eat prebiotic and probiotic foods. You know, those are not the same thing. Probiotic foods actually contain bacteria. Prebiotic foods feed the bacteria. So you um, think about it like fertilizing the garden. That's what you want to do. Um, Melanie talked about a lot of tests that you could do, but one thing that I found very interesting was having my gut microbiome analyzed. And I know we've talked about this before, but I used the American Gut Project. You do not have to um, go through a doctor for this. You just send your sample into them and they process it and then they let you know what they found. And it's just fascinating to see what inhabits your gut microbiome. Um, and it can give you some clues about what foods, um, like what, what foods may feed them well, what you may be lacking, that sort of thing. Also, 
Um, there are a bunch of companies now. I'm I'm not saying that these companies are. I, I haven't tried their their services, so let me. This is my disclaimer here. You'll have to do some searching, but there's some companies that are claiming to be able to recommend foods for you based on analysis of your gut microbiome, and, the, and some of them even take into account your genetics. So they'll do a genetic profile, they'll do your gut microbiome, and then based on that, they'll say this is what you need. Now, I don't know that we have enough research to to know that these companies are making a difference yet, but it is based on the research we do have about what's living in your gut microbiome. So I'm not recommending any specific ones. Look them up, see what you can find, read reviews, think about it. But that's just a way to have somebody else analyze it and then give you back what they think you should be doing. Both Melanie and I have done these types of analyses, and then we dug into the data ourselves. But it's a lot of stuff. If you're not a you know a researcher yourself and you're not um, one to really dig into a bunch of info, check into some of the companies that that offer this. I really think we're just at the forefront of all of we are. the, yeah. everything we're going to learn. I will add a little caveat that I don't think, I think you should go mostly by how foods make you feel. While it's fascinating information that you can learn and you can definitely learn a lot from these tests, I think you should go more by how foods literally make you feel rather than by thinking, oh, I have this certain strain, so I need this other strain like, I think self-experimentation and how you feel is more important than what we think we know because I think we know so very little about the gut. And I will actually recommend, I'm reading right now, I'm halfway through and loving it, Dr. Michael Ruscio's new book, Healthy Gut, Healthy You. It's a wonderful book and he goes into all of this. He outlines a dietary approach if you have digestional issues, but he talks a lot about these tests and he talks a lot also specifically about what I just mentioned about how it's hard to know what certain strains are doing what and they, different probiotics have different effects on different people. Prebiotics really have different effects on different people. They're going to really help some people and they're going to make other people's much, much worse, <laughs> but that's okay. If you don't do well with prebiotics, that's okay. And I think there's this idea that it's not okay, that you need to be hardcore eating all the fiber all the time when that might not be the case. This is like sort of a tangent. But um, basically, there's a lot of information to be learned. So I love what you said, Jen, about you can do the tests, but then do your research from there. And then I would just add the third step of do the self-experimentation and really, and really go off of that. Because I would not, um, you know, if, if I someone told me to do something and I did that and it made me feel worse, I would not do that. <laughs> so it's it's definitely you have to see how it makes you feel. I think that is the number one thing is trusting your um, your body and knowing how it makes you feel. For me, I've already been down this whole road of figuring out what foods made me feel good. So what's mine were more of a confirmation. The the genetics test, the gut analysis, they confirmed that what I knew was true. The foods that made me feel good also apparently worked well for me based on all the results I got back, which was fascinating. Uh, I would have been surprised had it been the other way because I'm really in tune to how I feel. I think that we've mentioned before intermittent fasting really does that for you because you're not eating all the time. You see how your body responds to something 
in a way that you couldn't do when you were constantly, you know, barraging your system with with input from food all the time, every waking hour. So trust your body, as Melanie said, and I believe that too. But if you are interested in having some other things done, you can explore it, but always go by how you feel. Wonderful. So I'll put a link in the show notes. So I have podcast.com slash episode 49 to everything we talked about there. Perfect. Shall we jump into our next two questions? Yes. And I say two because we have two sort of related questions. So the first one comes from Becca, and the subject is weird question, maybe. So this is kind of a throwback to our weird questions episode. So Becca says, hi, guys. I listen to a lot of health-focused podcasts, and this has easily become my favorite. (laughs) Yay. I have a question that just might fit into your weird problems episode. (laughs) If it doesn't, I hope you answer anyway. So we are. I've been doing keto for a year and I've recently added IF to my routine. I do keto and IF for health and not weight loss. Right now, my eating window is 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday, but longer on the weekends, 11 to 9 p.m. Here's my issue. I'm a morning person, and in my old standard, standard American diet days, I would come home from work and eat bad food before passing out on the couch pretty much every night. Now I feel so much better at night, but still can't seem to find the energy or motivation to get anything done in the evening. I have two young kids that go to bed at 8 o'clock, and most nights I'd be happy to go to bed at the same time. I would love to have at least some energy to get some stuff done, like dishes or laundry, between 8 and 10 at night. Caffeine is not a solution for obvious reasons. Any tips? And then she says, P.S. Jen, I also hate melon. That's a throwback. That is. <laughs> that was like right in our early days. At the beginning, yeah. Team no melon. Yeah. yeah. I'm team melon all yep. the time. <laughs> and then our next question comes from Celeste. And the subject is crashing when the window opens. And Celeste says, I'm very new to IF. I've been doing 18.6 for about a week. And listening to your podcast in the mornings as I get ready for the day. I typically open the window about noon to 1 p.m. for lunch and then eat dinner before 6 p.m. I'm not eating terribly, I don't think. For lunches, I'll have something left over from the night before, like broccoli, chicken, ground turkey, taco salad, or brown or brown rice with a chicken something. <laughs> However, about 30 minutes to an hour after eating, I feel like I've just downed a large pizza and ice cream and feel a complete crash. Is this something that will improve with time, or am I eating the wrong things? I keep hearing Jen say no foods are off limits, so I'm not sure why I'm feeling my great morning energy disappear after eating. Any suggestions? Thanks. All right. I'm going to start with Celeste because that was the most recent thing that we read. Um, Celeste is having a crash after she eats lunch. And she's also saying how she's very new to IF and she's only been doing it for a week. So first of all, lots of crashing goes on at first when you're starting with IF anyway. So that's definitely part of the adjustment period. But you know, as I say, no foods are off limits, but it's it's a matter of knowing what foods make you feel good. So you have to figure that out for yourself. I'm not going to tell you something's off limits. Your body might. So that's, you know, a perspective that you need to keep in mind. It's up to you and how you feel with it. Now, if I were to eat around midday, I would also have that same problem because 